Here they come! Hello, and welcome to episode 163 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average, or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today we're keeping up a Halloween tradition at NeoZaz as we're talking War of the Worlds. And today I'm joined by Matt to look at the opening of Steven Spielberg's version. So what were your thoughts when you heard that Steven Spielberg was going to be remaking War of the Worlds then, Matt? (laughs) See, that's the thing. You said then. And like, if this were late 80s or early 90s, I would have been 100% like, not not even questioning it. It's like, okay, I'm ready. I heard the news. Give me the film. I don't need to know anything else. But this is, I don't ever want to say Steven Spielberg was slipping or maybe not as good but there is a distinct difference between the late 80s early 90s steven spielberg and the late 90s early 2000s spielberg so i was a little trepidatious but that little bit of trepidation was outweighed by the fact that spielberg is making a war of the world's world's film so naturally i was very excited for it overall with a little bit of hesitation Mm. I, I I was the same until the words Tom Cruise uh, up, yeah. and then it became oh uh, Tom Cruise is in it because for me you know a Tom Cruise film is all about Tom Cruise and it's like it's gonna be all about him isn't it? But then I thought about it and it's like no hang on a minute though because in the book apart from a couple of deviations the whole story is about the narrator. Isn't True. It? Right. So, okay, that's all right then. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I can see it. I can see it. Um, it's a yeah, it's a story made for a one focused character. Yes. Yeah. So, so I'm all right with that, and I'm all right with it being an update because you and I both love the '53 version. Yeah. Um, and um, and so yeah, I'm I'm okay with that as well. I'm okay with setting it in contemporary America. Uh, ain't got a problem with it. What I have got a problem with, and um, we talked about this when we mentioned the BBC version of a few years ago, when you have such a classic source material, why do you have to mess with it? Yeah. You know, and and when I did watch it, and it's like, what are they doing? Why? Why? And I had so many why, why, why. <laughs> it, it was almost like the Delilah song by Tom Jones. I'm just going, why, why, why? All the way through it. Oh, dear. Um, mm, what, 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 oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what, what, what do you think about this whole idea about, you know, uh, Mars isn't mentioned, aliens aren't mentioned, they're coming up from under the ground and from outer space? Well, what do you... I... That's what I was going to say. I like a lot of the changes in this, but I also, like, I, I don't understand why it was, why they stuck, when they stuck to the story, why they stuck to those parts. Like, the, the post-attack, uh, 
like I, honestly, there's a there's a marker in this movie where I stopped watching at this point. It's when Tim Robbins is holding the shotgun up over his head. I was like, okay, that's that's where the movie ends for me because mm-hmm. now because now we take a dra- drastic shift and not that it's bad to follow the source material a little more so in that movie, but it's like, why did you switch gears at this point? If you're going to retell the story, retell, you know, do do the whole thing in the in the the the, the um, theme and the spirit you did the first half of the movie. I I like the ideas that they did. The, the, I thought the sending the aliens down in the lightning bolts was a good idea i kind of like the idea that the ships have been here all this time i like that the uh the little twist when he touched the what was looked like steaming asphalt ended up being freezing cold asphalt i like little things like that but then like i said when you switch to the uh second half of the movie it's it comes to a screeching halt so i like half this movie and the half i like is the new stuff I think because of the pacing and the action and whatnot. And mm-hmm. and I wish they would have done one or one or the other. Make a take the source material and adapt it as to how it would be told today, what would happen today, or if you're gonna revamp the entire thing like they did in the first half, do that all the way through. Yeah. So yeah. I so I guess I guess I enjoy the first half more because that's what I'm exposed to first. So yeah. that's what I'm watching that's what i'm getting into and then the uh you know second half is is a bit of a drag for me so i guess when i say i like the changes it's only because that was what was presented first i would rather have seen an entire retelling by the time we got through that first half mm. i like the spectacle of it um mm-hmm. you know i i like the spectacle of it i i i I can see where they're coming from in the well. We can't say they come from Mars because now we know that there there is no life on Mars. <laughs> but you know, when the book was written, there was possibilities. They are canals, blah blah blah, and and all this you see. So I can kind of see it from that point of view. Um, and you know, what I've got a problem with is it seems from you know looking at the documentaries with Spielberg and the writer, that it's like they chose not to do some things to do with War of the Worlds in this because it's all been done before, right? That was the phrase. It's all been done before. We've seen all this before. Um, And ignoring the fact that this is the source material from everything that you have seen, where you've seen it before, came from this original book, you see. And it would have been nice... I think the only way that you could get round it, although having said that, the BBC reckoned that they had done that and, 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 they, and they messed that one up, yeah. is to, to, to set it in the original period setting with the view that, you know, it is a complete, you know, adaptation of the book, even though we now know, you know, that scientifically these things can't happen. That would be brilliant. And that's what the BBC were touting, weren't they, a few years ago, and, and they ballsed it up. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, I'm I'm still a fan of the book, and I'm still waiting for an adaptation where they do 
copy it. But having said that, they did that in, with the pen dragon pen version. Dra- I was just going to say, I'm like, you sure about that? <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, because yes. we had one. Yes, um, yes. I refer the listener back to previous episodes where, I, yes, I mean, you know, the heat ray effect of the pen dragon version is still our lowest ever score on this show and i think it always will be right um so all right okay uh, so i do want to say though i forgot to mention this i did not know that there was no mention of the word alien until i think you and i did our first or second war of the worlds episode i and i'd seen the movie a half dozen times never noticed that and watched it again this morning in preparation for this and the closest thing it comes to is is Tom is uh, Tom Cruise's son says something about are they from Europe? He's like, no, they're they're nowhere from here or something like that. That's yeah. they don't even say space alien or invasion this whole movie, and that's something that just ne- I never noticed until you pointed it out. Mm, yeah, it, it's a conscious decision, isn't yeah. it, to to just remove yourself from you know the War of the Worlds, which right. as I say, just seems a bit odd to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, okay, well, let's crack on and, and we'll talk about uh, the effects we're talking about today, which is the opening sequence. Oh my god! Ray, no, stay, man! And of course, you know, the opening, we have the opening narration slightly adapted um, and, and spoken by a good old Morgan F- Freeman. Um, and uh, we are introduced to Tom and his family, this opening scene. We're introduced to Tom and his family, um, his family situation over all these news reports of uh, lightning storms and EMPs and seismic activity starting to happen around the world. And uh, we get the storm arrive, don't we? Um, yes. Outside Tom's house, which is directly below that whacking great big bridge. Um, I take it those are real houses. People have got houses where you look out your window and all you see is a bloody great bridge. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Any, yeah, any, any uh, major um, metropolitan to urban area is... Yeah, it developed on top of each other in the cities. Even Orlando's like that at this point. We used to be orange groves in my lifetime, but now can't find an orange tree to save my life. Blimey. Um, so this storm arrives, doesn't it? This storm it, uh, with the wind, which is going to the storm instead of away from it. And we've got it. it they say it's lightning. 
but there's no thunder, is there? there right. You, you, you've got this simultaneous noise of the lightning as it as it um, uh, comes down. Well, I like these opening scenes because Tom Cruise is a bit of a dick, right? <laughs> yeah. Isn't he? And he's not a good father. And that's good. That's good. I don't want him to be the clean-cut, all-American hero every time, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah and it's, yes. Yes. It's a, a good start to actually build, which doesn't happen a lot in Tom Cruise. He's usually like the the flawless, um, I don't even know, I can't think of it as a term for it. Um, he can do no wrong, but this is, he actually has a time, a moment to grow as a character. And I think the, uh, at the stopping point where I stopped watching it is the apex of that storyline yeah. for that character. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I also like the fact that he's just as scared as his daughter. Yes. Um, yeah. And he doesn't know what to do either, you know. And uh, yeah, he goes outside, all the cars have stopped, all electricity has stopped, every form of electricity has stopped. Uh, he goes outside. The cars have stopped. All electricity has stopped, which in a minute creates a problem because you've got the guy with that very antiquated uh, video camera, which (laughs) still seems to be working, but we'll ignore that. Um, So, yeah, he goes down to where the lightning's hit. It's hit like 25 times, and it's right outside a church. And like you say, um, somehow he get. This always gets me how the hero in a film, you know, you've got a big crowd of people and then suddenly, you know, he's there at the front. You know, uh, that never happens. If I want to see you at the front, if I go to, <laughs> when I went to France and I went to the Louvre and I wanted to see the Mona Lisa and oh. you've got, you know, you, you know, you've got a row yep. of 50 people uh, between you and it. Nobody's yep. going to just let you go through so you can just walk up to the front like that. Yeah, it's like a parting of the Red Sea for him in this scene. It is for Tom, because <laughs> yep. it's Tom, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, the effect sequence is just about to start, because you've got all these rumbles which come from below, and we've got the cracks starting, and everyone slowly starts backing away, and uh, we get all these cracks start going up the buildings, and slowly the cars, just gently at first, they go up and down, don't they, like that? Um, mm. but, um, uh, the, but they grow in strength, you know, the cracks move up the church. And um, I. it wasn't until I started looking into this that, you know, all this racks up and it builds up and builds up. And then that intersection becomes almost like a turntable. The crack goes round in a circle, doesn't it? And then mm-hmm. the whole thing starts turning and you see the crack goes up the side of the church and the front of the church starts moving away from the rest of it. And I can remember watching this in the cinemas and thinking, bloody hell, they've built on the back lot this intersection and they've got a real turntable and they've moved a real fake church around but it's not practical it's all cgi oh really it is all cgi wow it looks so real that's still usually um with cgi from coming up on 10 years it's like i remember my first viewing of it being flawless but then 10 years later you see the advances and it stands out like a sore thumb this is surprising this is 16 years old and i still thought it was practical to this day yeah like you i i watched it earlier and it's like you can't fault it you can fault the cracks when the cracks go really quickly up the buildings and stuff like that and it's like oh that's a cgi crack but i've i think it's the lighting and the smoke and the haze it looks real doesn't it yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm surprised to hear that it, that was mostly, if not entirely, CGI only, honestly. No, th- this was all filmed on location in Newark, 
they had they had chosen this location because it's the intersection of five roads with mm. that church there. So, but if you see behind the scenes photos and documentaries, there's a whacking great big green screen covering up most of the church. Oh, wow. So so that's how they did it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's flawless, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, yeah, it starts turning. Um, you have very, very few aerial shots in this film. We've got one here when the church actually starts turning. Yes. Um, and it was a conscious decision uh, to actually have everything down at ground level looking upwards and that was a reference back to 9-11. It was uh, that reference in oh. all the amateur footage yeah. uh, by, you know, uh, civilians filming, you know, up at the towers looking up. And it was a conscious decision to mimic that. Okay. Uh, now I can't unsee that, but I didn't. I maybe subconsciously was recognizing that. But wow. Yeah, it, it completely is. Mm, yeah. But, you know, I mean, if you read the book, everything is told from ground level right so exactly that's, yeah. that, that, that's appropriate you know um so th there you go um so up and down goes the intersection this huge like mexican wave of tarmac up and down uh hail comes down from all this frozen stuff that's under the ground and up comes a car which is kind of like being spat out and then out comes the the foot of the first leg comes out and crashes down doesn't it mm -hmm. yes um and uh I don't mind all this. I don't mind the crowd bit, you know, and everything like that. Um, up comes the head with its lights already switched on. And, you know, it's, you've got that, uh, the wine starts, this big mechanical thing coming up. And uh, the folks start running for it quite rightly. And the music starts as it rises up. And, yeah, that's when we get a very rare panoramic view when you see the actual tripod standing up i guess that was put there just to give you even more of a sense of the height of the tripod mm. isn't it you know yeah um and but then we go back to ground level and ray um and um i i can always tell a a, a spielberg shot he's got many many you know signature shots hasn't he you know that he does in films and this one where all the crowd start coming out and they're looking up in awe and everything. It's very close encounters. I always call that the close encounters <laughs> shot where you get right, a, a, okay. a group of, yeah, you get a group of people from left and right slowly come together, usually looking up at something in awe, you know. Um, he does it so much in so many of his films. So they're looking up at this tripod. If I was there, if this bloody great thing, 150 feet tall, has just come out of a hole, I would still be going in the opposite direction. I'm not going to come back and look at it in awe because that doesn't <laughs> look like it's good news to me. My, yeah, my only thought in that is that I, I don't think I've ever experienced shock like like physical shock that might keep me from moving from what i understand but yeah i'm with you if i'm not experiencing shock or something some kind of physical reaction that's preventing me from moving I, i'd have been gone as well yeah yeah um what do you think of the ula the the the, the call of the tripod i actually uh it's it's okay i like the first bit of it i could kind of live out without the second part because it makes it sound like the beginning of a score that never finishes playing it does it sort of goes out and then it comes back yeah that's the only way i can describe it right it's just i mean that's the thing about all the adaptations i've ever you know uh seen or listened to with war of the worlds they've never got the the ula right as i hear it in my head 
Right, you know? yeah, I got you. Um, it's not how they describe it, how H.G. Wells describes it in the book. And, you know, but that's the problem. If you, if you read and reread a book over and over again, it's like To Kill a Mockingbird and, 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 and what have you. You know, in, in your head, you have your own mental image how things are, right? And, and right. I just don't think they've matched that yet. This is good. It's not as good as the Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds one. That's still mm. my favorite one. Okay, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like I like the design of the tripod. What do you think of the tripod? I, I do like it a lot, um, especially for, uh, like, what's – it's I, – I, I get a, a better look at it. We all get a better look at it during the uh, fairy attack scene. I know that's not what we're talking about. But when you, when you get that close-up of it and you can kind of see, like, the top of it has an organic element to it, I like that kind of blending of – organic i don't know for sure but the look of the organic mechanical thing like it's it's not necessarily a living being but it's built with something some kind of of uh substance that we certainly don't use in our vehicles especially our weapons i i, I like i i really do like the design of these yeah i like i like the fact that it's domed and then all the workings are underneath because yes, in the book yeah. yeah in the book hg wells says that you know a, a, a shield appeared in the in the pit on horsehall common and later that that shield rose up and it was the first tripod so mm. yeah that dome is is very uh akin to what you get in the book i like right. the bendiness of the legs yeah, um, I did too. The 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 kind of again more of an organic flow than than a mechanical stepping machine. Yeah, well, H.G. Wells in the book says uh, the tripods had no fixed pivot, mm. right? So they didn't have a joint as we would have a joint. But he could be very vague. It he says that there's no fixed pivot, but he doesn't say what it was. So you know, it's up to you to interpret that as you will. So right. I quite like the bendiness of them. They're, yeah, that, me too. They're very like jellyfishy. Yes, if that's a word, aren't they? Yeah, no, that's a, that's <laughs> that is a good comparison, actually. Yeah, yeah. Especially when the um, again, I mean, jumping ahead to what we're talking about, the attack in the ferry um, scene when we get a distance shot and we see all those um, uh, tentacles, for lack of a better term, that are pulling people out of the water. Then that's a really between the three main legs and then those smaller extensions. That's that's really our an organic looking scene and very akin to a, how a yeah. jellyfish moves in the water. Yeah. And of course, yeah, th th there were these tentacles on the, in the book, the tripods yes, do have right. the tentacles that hang down for picking people up. And the Spielberg war of the worlds has the basket on the back, which a lot of uh, illustrations always omit the, the collecting basket that they, you pick the humans up and you put them in the basket on the mm -hmm. back, you know, like a fisherman's basket, I think right, he calls right. it. Yeah. So there it is. It's standing there. There they are all awestruck. And then two tentacles come down, which have got, obviously, the heat rays in them. And they're still watching. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, yep, opens fire. There we go. And it's a terrific moment. The guy uh, with the video camera looks so horribly dated now, that video yeah. <laughs> camera. Um, but it's a brilliant moment, that. That's a, a, a stroke of genius, you know, that he, he he's shot, and then we see through the camera a little LED screen, you mm -hmm. know, what he was seeing. You know, I think that's a brilliant moment. That is. That's a great shot. A great yeah. idea, too. Yeah, and what do you think of the heat ray effects? That's, um... Th I love the... I guess you'd call it the disintegration outcome of that. I, I've not seen that done before. Usually, even with um, uh, George Powell's 1953, there's more of a fiery element 
to it. His is a little different, obviously. Um, and the the other adaptations from different clips and TV shows and whatnot. There's always that fire element. I kind of like just the it touches you and it's it you turn. I guess it's ash. I'm not even sure what you would call that. It's some kind of ashy substance. And the, but what's what was really neat. It seems to be that only the organic part of it is affected because yes. the clothes seem to remain, or at least parts of them. Mm. I think you're right. It's all organic stuff. So if you're wear, wearing a leather jacket, that would turn into dust. But if you're all like polyester, right, that's what yes. stays behind. Yeah. yeah. And I saw that the um, the dust effect, again, it's a nod to 9-11, especially when oh, yeah, of course Tom Cruise goes home and <laughs> yeah. he's covered in the dust. Yeah. 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 I, I didn't think of it. Yeah, no, no. It, it is interesting. Again, it's inaccurate, but so was George Powell, because in the book, the heat ray is actually invisible. It's an invisible yes, ray. Right. Things just start catching fire. Yeah. Um, it's a very clever uh, use of cuts, this this run that tom then has where he's running in the building and out the building that they it looks like it's a seamless one take but it's not if you watch there's always a person runs in front of the camera to hide the join yeah between the different edits yeah but was, this is sorry i was saying there, there was one cut oh man i wish i i noted it more there was one where it was a touch abrupt uh i think we he we last saw him running sideways, and all of a sudden he was running towards the camera in one of the cuts, and that was I got disoriented on that. Otherwise, it felt like I was following him with a camera myself that whole time. Yeah, yeah, it does look like it's one take, but mm-hmm. it's not. It, it it it's a number of them, um, and it's at this point. This is where um, I start losing uh, <laughs> faith in the film. In that Tom is one lucky bastard because. <laughs> Everyone's being killed around him. You've got cars falling down next to him. You've got windows exploding next to him. He's getting a bit of dust on him, but, you know, he, he's just <laughs> avoiding everything. I've heard someone describe this as the thickest set of plot armor any character has ever worn in a movie. This is what Ian, my co-host on many things, uh-huh. calls the hero exemption card. Yeah. <laughs> How know? many people does he touch like a split second before they're disintegrated. Yeah. Like if he was still touching them, I would imagine that beam would have uh, zapped into him too. This is, it is, you're right. There's no one, if the world wasn't about to end, he should have played the lottery that night. Yes, yes. <laughs> Good way of putting it. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, he runs back to his house. He gets his kids. That's quite a nice moment with the kids. Um, and he says to them, we've got about a minute. I don't know how he knows he's got. They've got about a minute. I mean, he can't know where that tripod is, or that the tripod's on its way back. I know. To him. Yeah, I, 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 I. That stood out to me this viewing again too. I'm like, why did he? It, it, did he? Did he know? Did he arbitrarily pick it so they wouldn't drag their feet? Like, what? What? That's a very specific thing to say. Where it could have been done as we got to go now, would just, but have just as effective and as. Uh, dire as giving one minute. It was a very strange piece of dialogue. It is, because if that wasn't in there, then it could have been a real surprise that the tripod arrives Yeah, when it does, you know, and then destroys the bridge. I mean, by having that line in, we know it's on its way. Right, yes. Um, and I like the scene in the car when he gets the kids in the car and, you know, you've got his uh, mate telling him to get out of the car. And I especially like the girl uh, Spielberg's got this good way of uh, portraying scared kids, hasn't mm-hmm. 
Yes. I don't know what he's doing just out of frame, <laughs> but it's like the girl in Jurassic Park, you know, with the jelly. It's the same sort of thing. I saw this vision of him telling these horrific things to these children and terrorizing them for the rest of their lives for the for the purpose of a good shot. Yeah, but no, it, it it's it's really good. She's really good, you know, because that's when the the heat ray arrives and uh, and off they go. Um, luckily, just getting away, avoiding every car that's blowing up around them and everything. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, again. <laughs> yeah. That, that as I say, that's when it's like, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. And somehow. Even when the car gets stopped by that angry mob, he doesn't get even beat up. I was going to say killed. In a real-world situation, I hate to say it, that person would have been drug out and beaten probably to the point of death. Maybe the intention wouldn't have been to kill them, but that's what would have really happened. He didn't even get punched in the face during that whole altercation. Just before we started recording, we were just having a natter, and I said about, you know, a few weeks ago here in the UK, we had all these idiots panic buying petrol, and you had fights breaking out on the four right. courts just because somebody was trying to push in, and somebody produces a knife on somebody and stuff like that. That's just over a non-existent petrol shortage. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he would be dead, wouldn't he? There's, there's a... it's. There's a video just to hammer that home of how impossible that situation was. There's a video that just went around this weekend at Halloween Horror Nights, the, the Halloween event at Universal Studios. They sell every once in a while in the lines. They'll have a beer cart. Someone tried to buy a beer, and people are starting to go past him because he held up the line. He put his arm out to be like, whoa, don't cut the line. And like in seconds, like tens of dozens of people were all throwing fists over this one moment. Really? Yes. It just, chaos just erupted out of one guy sticking his arm out. I don't know what was said. Maybe there was a little more to it, but even that started a fight. Tom Cruise had the only working car that anyone knew in the world was working, and all they did was just drag him out of it. Yeah. Lucky bastard. Yep, exactly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and that's it. That's our sequence. We're only looking at the opening sequence, the actual emergence of the tripod today. So, So that's that. Um just get my behind the scenes up. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how much of this you know, Matt, but um, this is the first time Steven Spielberg used uh, previs storyboards, you know, quite blocky, pixelated, you know, uh, computer-generated uh, storyboards, animated storyboards. He had never done that, done it before. He held off. He liked the traditional, you know, uh, you know just thumbnail storyboards but George Lucas had uh, had convinced him to do it he had been using them on the on the prequels hadn't he so ah okay yeah so uh yeah so he he did that and very unusually i mean this this film this war of the worlds had a very very tight turnaround production i saw time. that like 73 days or something it was i think it was 73 days and you know Steven Spielberg knew that very often, you know, the special effects are done after the, uh, you know, the principal photography. And, you know, there would be delays because what the special effects house are producing doesn't match what they've already filmed. So actually they turned it around and they, uh, they did it backwards. What they did was they come up with these animated storyboards and used the animated storyboards to design the sets and everything so everything's locked in the special effects people can work on the animated storyboards at the same time you know the physical effects are being created Um, so no changes would have to be made later which would cause a time delay Um, 
And the guys at ILM, of course, did all this. And it's the crew that had just finished working on uh, Revenge of the Sith. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they just jumped straight on over um, onto this project. Um, and yet the, the tripods coming up out of the ground, that was a Steven Spielberg idea. Mm, okay. um, I, I think I think the writer, you know, he was taking, you know, a lot of influence from, you know, Steven Spielberg and Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is a father in this film because Tom Cruise decided I want to be a father in the film. Oh, that's why he's a father. <laughs> OK, yeah, you know. So, um, yeah. And yeah, Steven Spielberg said, you know, uh, let's cut, have them coming up out the ground because they always come from space. Let's go the other way. Right. Yeah. OK. Yeah, but they knew they wanted to have a tripod, no matter what they did or wherever they they didn't end end up actually saying where they came from. But they wanted right. to have the tripod as a nod to the book. And Spielberg said it's got to be scary. Um, the final version that they've done, I don't, I don't think it's scary. If anything, it's rather beautiful. It's not scary from top to bottom, but the two. Big close-ups again, not to, to to go outside of the scope of what we're talking about. The two big close-ups of it that we get um, in the ferry scene and then on the battlefield—it's that's that is kind of that is intimidating. I don't know if scary is a thing, but it's like there seems to be when you get it face to face like that, there seems to be no escape from this thing. So maybe not scary, but definitely intimidating. Yeah, I think the intimidation though is is the size of it. It's the size the has a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah. And that I always like that um, the the feeling of uh, the, the 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 I don't know what's going on behind the lights. It looks like some kind of generator. Obviously, it's it's it, well, alien. It's not from Earth. I guess that's how I'm supposed to describe <laughs> it. So there's something unusual about it, but it really feels like there's something very very powerful happening behind there that's ready to be unleashed. That is also a little intimidating. Mm, yeah. Um. The design of it, I mean, Doug Chang and the ILM people, they looked at all the War of the Worlds paperback covers and War of the Worlds artwork to see what people had come up with before. <laughs> you say that, and it makes me think of that Spanish version with the upside-down Enterprise. I would have loved to have seen that version in this. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been funny if they had done that? <laughs> would have been, yeah. It would have been good if they had actually missed that, and that's what they came up right, with. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, yeah, because they didn't want to emulate what had come before. And, okay. Um, yeah, you see some of the designs. They are a bit wacky. There's one which, you know, it's all a mass, mass, mass of machinery, and then you've got, like, a test tube on the top, and you can see the Martian operating it inside, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is quite sweet, but I don't think it would have cut it um, <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> uh, now. Um, as I say, the location was in Newark at this junction of, of five roads um, and was the very first location filming done. This uh, th this opening scene was the very first thing they filmed. Um, the the council there, they wouldn't allow them to do any sort of alteration to the road whatsoever. So the actual practical effect, and it did go up and down a little bit, you know, the, the circular bit. That's mm -hmm. a, a, a raised platform. It was pneumatic and could go up and down like that. Oh, okay. Um, and um, the, uh, all the shop fronts and everything with the crashing windows and stuff like that, they were simply, you know, just put in front of the existing ones. So they were fake shop fronts with the exploding oh, wow, okay. glass and stuff like that. Uh, the Ula war cry of the tripods is uh, an electronically enhanced didgeridoo. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's oh, again. Now it's going to be one of those things I can't unhear. But I actually love that. It is a didgeridoo. Yes, yeah. yeah. 
little snippet here. When you see, you know, reports from around the world of, you know, the lightning strikes and everything, um, and they, you know, just flipping through the channels there, you very, very briefly, about a second, you see a, a, the beginnings of a train crash, mm -hmm. right? And that's a clip from the film from 1952, The Greatest Show on Earth. Oh, wow. Right? And that was put in because that is the film when Steven Spielberg saw that, that's the film that made him say... I want to work in films. Oh, wow. Oh, so that's, that's why, yeah, that's why it's in there. I haven't seen it, but apparently when the tripod's just about to come out, if you look, there's a road sign, there's a street sign that says Van Buren. All right. Mm, yeah, okay. I, I don't recall seeing it either. Right. Well, uh, that's a nod to Sylvia Van Buren, you know, the Anne Robinson character in the 1953 oh, okay. uh, film. Yeah. Um... Yeah, as I say, the whole turntable thing, the wide shots of the turntable and the church detaching, all CGI. Um, this is rather nice. I'll put it on the Facebook page. But when they start running down the street away from the tripod, which is in the background, that's a homage to a painting called Panic in the Streets, which was painted by a guy by the name of Jeff Taylor. And that was included in the original... 1978 release of you know Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. There was a an artwork album that came with it with these lovely paintings, and he did one called Panic in the Streets, and that's oh, a wow. complete homage to that painting. Oh, okay. <laughs> mm. I'm looking at it right now, actually. Oh, you've got it there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Sure. Yeah, actually, yes. I. I. Yeah. I can't argue that at all. That isn't a. That's definitely looks like a shot from the movie, just aged and painted. Yes, yeah, and the the heat ray effect when the people get zapped and and you know turn into dust and everything. Uh, when they filmed that on location, the, the the people that the extras that are running towards camera, when they got their cue, they would just fall on the floor. All right, and that, that's oh, what okay. they filmed. So ILM then took that footage, they added the heat ray effect, and at the point where the heat ray met each extra they studied the pose of that person put copies of their clothes which they had taken apart they had snipped them apart and only just you know very very in in the tiniest way glued it back together hung them onto a wire frame which was roughly in the pose of that person uh, okay and then blew the, them apart with these high speed wind machines so yes. you'd get that effect so it is CGI, obviously. I mean, you CGI, yeah. you, you you remove the person falling down on the ground. You then CGI in the clothes, fall, you know, blasting apart, and then you remove the wire frame. But the actual practical effect, the effect of it, you know, the clothes falling apart, that actually was practical initially. So oh, cool. Okay. I do like the way that you can have practical effects with CGI and, yes. and, and blend the two together like that, yeah. you know? That's that's what I like about, like, really good filmmaking today. Um, we kind of had a, 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 surge, a surge of, depending completely on CGI, we seem to be finally marrying the two in, in really good filmmaking right now. I mean, I mean, look at Mandalorian, you know? Yeah, exactly. You can do it yep. effortlessly. You compare any, any effect shot in The Mandalorian and then you look at one of, like, one of the underworld films yes or something <laughs> like that and you can't compare them can you right no no mm -hmm. and uh that's it that's all i've got 
behind the scenes. So, oh, okay. so, so it's been quite a while since you've been on the show, but you know what we have to do. We have to yeah. vote. <laughs> we have to rate the effects uh, that we're seeing here with the, you know, the tripod coming up, the heat ray firing, the people blasting apart. Uh, what do you think out of ten? Well, that's what's tough. Um, if, if I'm going to judge just the effect, it makes it easier. There is the like separating it from what the War of the Worlds story was, even though I spent a good amount of time in the beginning of the show saying how I like this retelling, but it's it's if you were to look at the source material, we're missing the cylinder, we're missing a few other things, but the effects alone on it, oh man, you know, there there's not a lot to dislike about it. Um other than I I, I if Spielberg was going for scary on the tripods, that's probably the only miss on here. I mean, I gotta say it's at least an eight. I think it's probably higher, but I'm I'm kind of stuck on on eight because I think there could be more to it. But if you ask me what it, what to put in it, I'm not sure I have an answer without a really long think about it. You and I, uh, you, you know, think very similarly, and especially about War of the Worlds. Exactly what you've said there. If if you detach it from the War of the Worlds source material and just look at it as an effect sequence. If this was from a film that was nothing to do with War of the Worlds and they just happen to have tripods, you know, it works. Right. And if I detach myself away from the just implausibility of Tom Cruise surviving more than like <laughs> yeah. 45 seconds through that first attack, um, I, 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 I will join you in an eight. I'll give okay. that an eight as well. All right. Okay. I'll have to look on the Facebook thing and find out just where that sits alongside the effects we rated on the um, uh, 1953. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't remember. I I know we're very complimented with that movie overall. It's hard not to be. It's a well, great movie. Well, well, yeah, the comparable scene uh, in the 53 version right, yeah. is, is the coming out of the crater, isn't it? And I think we gave that very high marks. I think we both agreed that was more than eight. I'll, I'll have a look when I put it up on Facebook, okay? Yeah, yes. All right. Well, uh, that's us done. It, it, it's a bit of a tradition to have something War of the worlds <laughs> um in October, isn't it? So Absolutely, yes, yes. Yeah, and, and, and this is, effectively speaking, little Halloween uh, episode because this this one's going to come out nearest to Halloween. So happy Halloween, everyone! Yes, happy Halloween. Best time of the year for me. That's my favorite time I, of the year. I know you love it, don't you? <laughs> One year I'm going to come over. I'm going to spend Halloween in Florida. I, oh I man, it's there's <laughs> Florida is is slowly becoming. I'm, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm becoming a little disenchanted with it as when I first moved here, but nothing beats it at Halloween. Nothing. Maybe the weather. The weather is the only thing I wish would change because this has been the hottest Halloween that we've had, and I guess that's the new normal. But take that out of the picture, and, and nothing beats Halloween in Central Florida. Do you think it, it, it would help then if 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 it was cooler or if it was uh, misty or it was foggy? If I could fog, put fog on, would work, wouldn't it? If I could put on jeans and a and a hoodie and walk around Halloween Horror Nights in October, that that would be the perfect night for me. But if I did that, I would pass out of heat exhaustion my first hour. Well, you just got to move Halloween to somewhere else in the year. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish there was. I I wish there was a predictable time, a predictable time of the year for fall for us. It's like our fall is broken up into like groups of days throughout uh, September through February. It's like we we don't have a month of fall. We have like three really nice days 
every few weeks for a few months. It's, it's Florida is just a bizarre weather system. All right. Well, you, you know, come 31st of October, I'll be wishing you shitty weather. <laughs> yes, please do. All that right. would make it comfortable. <laughs> okay. All right, then. All right. Thanks for your time then, Matt. Absolutely. Thank you for having me as always. Yeah, yeah. Always a pleasure. Always a treat. And always wonderful to talk War of the Worlds with you. So, yes, yeah. absolutely. Thank you very much. Cheers, Matt. Take care. Bye-bye.